Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Beautiful day out there, a little chilly, but uh, there we go. Let's start out with some Shakespeare because he's one of the greatest writers of all time. Be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. A fool thinks himself to be wise, but a wise man knows himself to be a fool. We are we know what we are, but we know not what we may be. Love all, trust a few, do no wrong. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Richard II. For I have wasted time. Now time has wasted me. Don't let time waste you, folks. Anyway, uh, I, I just want to talk about a couple things real quick. Uh, you know, on my webpage, if you go to the WHK's webpage and go to local bro- uh, podcast and down to the Smart Investor Show, you can go directly to my webpage, and there's a really good article. There's been several questions on this show about the dollarization dilemma, you know, uh, what are we going to do if we go to a digital currency? And I, I think politicians want that big time because they can follow the money wherever they want to go. You know, uh, no one gets away with with anything uh, in the, under those circumstances. Anyway, the the key is is that what we're looking at is a scenario where uh, it you know we we talk about it uh, under bulletin board has Rob Schleimer stuff this week. I think you should read it. I highly recommend it. You know, I know somebody's out there reading it because we had the highest number of uh, hits on my webpage that I think I've ever had. So thank you, all those. Uh, but if you go to, uh, you know, there's a um, a piece there that says bulletin board. That's where Rob Schleimer is. And then under insight uh, has the, the stuff about the dollar. This rotates every week, you know, so it's not the same information every week. So you can look uh, constantly. I have I have several people that look at it every day, uh, which may be overkill. But if you check into it once or twice a week, if you'd like to do a wealth plan, I, which I, as you know, I highly recommend on this show. Uh, I I would suggest that uh, you can ask for one, uh, and you know we'll send it out to you and. Uh, uh, you can fill it out and work accordingly. Remember, you don't have to be a client. The only thing about not being a client is you can't go, you can't play uh, in the play zone, all right, which is allows you to, to do what ifs, okay? And uh, look, if you just put a, a wealth plan on your desk and it's just stagnant, it does you no good, okay? No good at all. But if you're looking at it regularly, you say, hey, what if I did this? You know, what if I did this? You know, you know, I'm, I'm planning on taking all my grandkids to, to Disneyland, God help you. (laughs) 
I know guys who do that, and I love them, but uh, I think you're crazy. Uh, but that's my personal opinion. A- anyway, um, I- I'm, I'm, it's no, I'm not criticizing Disneyland. I just think it's just a crazy week. Um, anyway, whatever you want to do, we can figure it out. We can see if you can afford it, okay? So it's interactive. It's something that's really good. All right, uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, you know, uh, Lori Calvacina this week, um, she thinks there's two big things you got to know. First, uh, actively managed long-only funds are underperforming their benchmarks for the year in most of the U.S. categories that they're tracking, uh, with small-cap value emerging as the bright spot. That's where they're kicking, uh, you know, you know what. Second, uh, there's a lot of cross-currents for U.S. equities, and they're getting more complicated based on the high-frequency indicators. So we're going to go over that a little bit. Um, you know, we have thoughts on earnings. Uh, but we're going to, I think, you know, we're going to talk about that next week or the week after. But um, I looked at a lot of charts this week, and and a question that we've been discussing here at RBC, uh, at least, uh, you know, on the equity team, uh, is the performance of actively managed long-only funds. And it's been a highly confusing start to the year for the buy side. Remember, it's been rotation nation, so, you know, things have been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, the answer is that it, it's been tough, okay, uh, since regional banks crisis when mega cap tech names have been on a tear. There's been a lack of breath, and it's created a massal, uh, massive structural challenges for large cap and, and large cap growth managers in particular. Um, we we reviewed the cumulative 2023 performance of actively uh, managed funds, and uh, these, these are tracked by... Uh, EPFR, you know who they are, and and compared those returns to passively managed funds in the universe. The actively managed funds and the passively managed funds use identical benchmarks. So we found that large cap funds that benchmark to the S and P 500 have been lagging. Uh, the gap between the actively managed and the passively managed it widened significantly in the second quarter. So. Uh, you know, when when you have a capitalization rate uh, um, weighted index, and you have seven or eight stocks running the or that their capitalization gaining, and if they're big influences on the S and P five hundred or the Nasdaq or the Dow, they influence the index. So the index is going up based on uh, fewer and fewer stocks. So we have to have a broadening out for this to continue. I think. But small cap managers have been have had kind of an easier time keeping up with the benchmarks this year. Uh, the Russell 2000, Russell 2000 growth benchmarks are underperforming for the year, so it's a little bit easier. But uh, here, here's some points that we see that are negative for equities, while others are positive, and, and some simply highlight that a rotation leadership is attempting to begin. Okay, so the individual investment sentiment continues to creep towards what we call worrisome territory. Uh, net bullishness hit 29%. The number of bulls are at 47 uh, on the AAII survey. This indicator was sending a deeply contrarian but strong buy signal for stocks at the start of the year. Uh, it typically signals that equities are overbought when it crosses plus 30. Really close, all right? Um, the U.S. has gotten expensive relative to Europe, and we don't see yet the relative strength in Europe picking up, 
But that's something to keep in the back of your mind. When the P.E. ratio of the S&P 500 is up around 20 in Europe, I think around 9 or 10, uh, you know, that's a big difference. So also uh, the near-term uh, economic expectations have continued to improve. Uh, on the positive side, you know, the near-term GDP ex- uh, expectations have continued to improve. The consensus real GDP forecast for the quarter on a quarter-to-quarter basis have moved slightly positive, all right? So leadership is starting to shift a bit, all right? So uh, although 2024 real G- GDP growth expectations have come in very slightly, the near-improvement GDP forecasts have helped drive rotation into leadership with equity, you know, uh, within the U.S. equity market. So like banks, and including regionals, by the way, have outperformed the NASDAQ 100. And with within large cap and small cap, financials and energy are starting to outperform. Growth is stalling relative to value is what I'm saying in so many words, okay? So small caps are starting to outperform large caps, which is very interesting, I think. And it, it could be... Uh, and by the way, it's mostly small cap value, which is uh, outperforming. So uh, many of the sectors uh, trades have been hitting extremes in, in recent years that foreshadow past inflections, you know, with the large caps. So we'll see what happens. Uh, overall, recovery and cyclical trades seem to be back on track. All right. That's what we're trying to say, at least this week. The fund flows are starting to shift. We're, we're suddenly seeing a lot of shifts on, a, on the weekly fund flows. Uh, data that uh, we've been tracking. Uh, geographically, some of the reasons that have been improving, uh, U.S., Canada, Japan are losing intensity. Uh, and the U.S. growth funds are seeing net outflows, while value funds are no longer getting less negative. Small caps are once again a bright spot with, with flows improving uh, for all styles. Okay, so, and that's both active and passive too, by the way. With small caps active, blend and value are, are showing the best. Uh, that we've seen. So, uh, you know, we're talking about almost 3%. Okay. Now, a couple things happened last week, and, and, and I'm going to get back to this uh, with Rob Schleimer in a minute or two, but we hit 4.3, a little bit over that in an interday on the 10 year yield. Kind of a breakout, but it, you know, usually you have to, to hit the, uh, uh, you have to close over that, okay? So we'll see what happens next week. But we did have a reversal that day, so we'll see what happens. But look, one of the things that I think is one of the great opportunities that, out there is the underperformance of dividend-paying stocks. I think this provides a potential, a huge long-term opportunity. And since the beginning of 2023, the Dividend Aristocrats Index relative to the S&P 500 has underperformed by almost 9% on a total return basis. So the underperformance has been caused in part by, you know, strong performance from several high market capitalization, zero yielding companies. And you know what they are. They're the the magic seven or the, you know, whatever they call them these days. When we take a step back and you look at the larger picture, we can see that the period's of notable unperformance by dividend aristocrats index, like the period we are seeing today, tend to be a very attractive time for longer-term investors to put money to work in dividend-paying stocks. Okay, 
Now, look, I've been touting dividends, dividend growth, prime income list forever on this show. <laughs> I think just since the beginning. Uh, I remember I, I remember I was talking about that when everybody was talking about, you know, I had my first show, uh, you know, where I I had a, a seminar afterwards. We had like 125 people. It was one of the first times I ever used a microphone. I was scared to death. Anyway, I, I'm talking about dividend aristocrats, and people are making $20 a day on a stock, you know, a, a $150 stock, and they were upset. But, hey, that's the way it works. So, so like, the period we're, we're seeing today tend to be attractive time for the longer-term investors to put money to work. So this is what you should be looking at, the dividend aristocrats. now. I don't think the consumer staples, where there's a lot of dividend aristocrats in, are a good buy right now. I think uh, what you want to be looking for is the stocks that, you know, are, and uh, you can get the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. But when they underperform, they're almost a standard, one and a half standard deviations below normal. And that's usually not, you know, good, by the way. So if you're looking at the relative rolling six-month performance between dividend aristocrats and the S. S&P 500 back uh, to 1990, you can see that there's a lot of periods uh, where the outperformance underperformance for dividend stocks. And over the past six months, they've underperformed the S&P 500 by 5.7%. Now, they outperformed last year, so it's, it's interesting. So this underperformance, I think, from dividend-paying stocks is among the worst six-month period we have seen in the past 30 years, which means... <laughs> you know, if you know the show well enough, when everybody's bearish, we're bullish. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I think the recent performance is not ideal, especially if you're in the stocks, but we believe it presents a really interesting opportunity for investors. And, and the current six month underperformance is 1.05 times standard deviations below the 30 year average. And, and briefly breached the 1.5 standard deviation level back in the middle of July. So, look, this leads us to believe that we may be in the early in innings of a rebound for the dividend-paying stocks, okay? So using history as a guide, okay, which we try to do on the show, we can see that the rolling relative six-month return falls between that one and one-and-a-half standard deviations below average. The forward 24 months looks promising. On average, the dividend aristocrat index has outperformed the S&P 500 by 12%, with a success rate of 79% over the subsequent 24 months. So, look, uh, that's big. Okay, so we believe that the recent underperformance by the dividend aristocrat index relative to the S&P 500 has created a very attractive opportunity. So what would I recommend to you guys out there? I would say call in for the dividend growth list and the prime income list. There we go. All right. Especially, by the way, if you're 40 years old and, you know, you're building your pyramid, dividend growth and prime incomes is a good place when you're, when you're doing dividend reinvestment for the long run in a big way. Okay. So there we go. Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to be taking a break here shortly, but, you know, we have diverging monetary policy out there. Uh, we'll call it different strokes for different folks. 
Okay. So central bank, uh, banks have been making good strides in the inflation fight, uh, fight. I'm sorry. Uh, bond yields have hit their highest levels in years. And you're burnishing the appeal of fixed income, by the way. And still, an already volatile fixed income environment could get even more so as the central banks worldwide chart their own policy path now. Okay, so is China going to lower? Is the U.S. going to tighten further? You know, it's that type of thing. Uh, we surveyed the fixed income landscape and, and identified where we think there's some attractive opportunities that can be found. Look, the bond yields are up. Uh, it's rekindled investor interest in fixed income. And by the way, if you'd like to be on our bond lists, you know, our municipal bond list or our, our uh, corporate bond list, we send them out once a month. Uh, if you want more than that, let us know. Uh, but just go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Martin Vester Show. You can go right to my webpage. Just hit the contact me, okay? But Japan moving away from its super loose monetary policy could add to an already, you know, look, we got elevated bond yields. We got some regions starting to say, hey, we're done. We got some regions saying, hey, we're still hiking. We got Japan moving away from its super loose monetary policy. Hey, you know what? Let's let's take a break, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, uh, the situation, okay? This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. You better think twice. Cleveland's got guts. And the Indians. As well as the Browns and Cavaliers. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And a downright awesome downtown with a walla-cadoodle-worthy waterfront. But what's even in our water? Now, I'm a guy, and I've lived here all my life. Neither hard water nor chlorine bother me a bit. Well, I had Wyatt Works put in a whole home water filtration system. It tastes better, and showering is so much better. My hair washes clean and stays healthier. And I've got a regular old water heater. I've got tankless for endless hot water. So what's our point? Our point is, Wyatt Works is Cleveland's answer for water heaters. Well, if you're a regular guy and just want same-day water heater service, Wyatt Works does that. And if you want a water softener or a filtration system and want to go tankless, we do that too. So get your water wallacadoodled with Wyatt Works. Consider it done at wyattworks.com. License number 30185. Listen to this station anytime, anywhere on Odyssey. Odyssey is your new audio home for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that matter to you. Odyssey. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. We're, we're back. Okay, so we were, um, by the way, we heard Perko and Bachman Turner. I haven't heard Poco in a long time, so good job, Lenny. Um, any, <laughs> anyway, we were just talking about different strokes for different folks, how monetary policy worldwide is kind of now changing a little bit. Everybody was raising rates, and suddenly, 
I think uh, Japan's moving away from its super loose policy. China's kind of worried because the the, uh, the remedy is coming down. <laughs> the economy. Uh, so we, we, we have this, uh, you know, we continuing, let, let's just put this way. We continue to see opportunities in emerging markets, fixed income, uh, where we think rate cutting cycle has kicked off in earnest. All right. Inflation has pleasingly receded in, in most regions and the U S has declined to 3.2. Uh, now in the U S you know, government spending is Unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, the, the the theory in economics is that when the government spends, they don't have enough confidence in us that we know what we're doing. OK, so government spending is oriented towards what they want to do, which is kind of not, you know, that's more of a socialist type of thing. But right now, government spending, you know, I mean, they six trillion dollars plus a one point seven five trillion omnibus bill that came at the end of the year. So. Look, if you're worried about a recession, I just think there's too much government spending for that. So, look, I, I think our what I'm trying to say is our inflation would come down a lot quicker if if we didn't have that. But so the Fed's got kind of a problem uh, now. Our chief economist, our worldwide guy, uh, Eris Latalis, warns, however, that their improvement should not be taken for granted. Most of this coming down is hot, is because of oil. And if you get higher oil prices or higher food prices or fast wage growth, uh, that could slow the recent progress. So we, you know, that's a, unfortunately a, you know, a, a big problem out there. Look, oil prices surged over the last month. Uh, you know, we still have the lowest amount in our reserves. I also heard something uh, the other day from several different people who are smart people clients of mine, uh, they're talking about they're having problems with the, the uh, you know, they, they store all this oil in the in the salt caverns, and the salt caverns are having some problems with stability. So we'll see what happens. But look, oil prices surged over the past month, and we haven't really started to fill the reserves yet. Uh, West Texas crude shot up uh, to more than 84 bucks a barrel from 70. Food prices have also spiked. Uh, we have a a very intense global heat wave. I talked to a client in Phoenix. I mean, I think they've, it's been over 110 for like 21 of the last 24 days. So um, it's also undermined harvests in at least three continents. You know, the Russian Ukraine war is disrupting Ukrainian grain shipments to the Black Sea. Uh, and he also points out that the wage price spirals are another key upside inflation risk, according to the Atlanta Fed's wage growth tracker, all right? So the actual rate of wage growth in the U.S. currently remains brisk and has only slowed only modestly to 6%, and I think it peaked out at 7.1%. So for central banks, wage growth will continue to be a key factor here uh, to monitor, though. You know, look, I, I, I think many will likely look past food and energy inflation. For now, most countries are, are celebrating the progress, okay? Japan's the exception, and uh, it reopened its economy in late 2021 um, after, you know, the COVID lockdown. So it'll be interesting. So the question, the big question is, central banks in U.S., Canada, U.K., Europe, we think are nearing uh, peaks in their hiking cycle. So with the Fed I mean, they're up five and a half percent in less than a year. Uh, 
you know, that's it, pretty significant. Uh, and I guess the question is, you know, with Japan lowering rates and uh, we also have China, you know, <laughs> weaving around, is there a window of opportunity in the bond market? Bond markets have been very volatile, uh, volatile so far in August, uh, with the 30-year Treasury yield experiencing one of the most rapid increases of the past year. And the rise was due to a combination of U.S. US economic growth and fading inflation that could allow the Fed to be less aggressive, which may pave the way for economic expansion. Isn't that interesting? But we think the divergent paths that central banks are setting out may also contribute to a very volatile backdrop. So what we're saying is, in emerging markets, the rate-cutting cycle is well underway. All right? So emerging markets may be the place to go for your bond money. I don't know. Uh, you know, you have to think about that for a while. But, um, you know, I, I do think uh, the U.S., you're looking in a scenario where somewhere along here, there'll be a great opportunity to buy longer bonds. So once again, if you'd like to be on our municipal bond list or our corporate bond list, let us know. Corporate bonds are better for IRAs. Okay. Uh, you're getting a little bit over CDs. We also have a great CD list, uh, you know, uh, great CD list. So, uh, so look, the global rally that began last October persisted into July on the back of some very resilient U.S. economic data and sentiment. And, and I think our position since that rally began is begin to leave equity portfolios invested up to the levels that is typical for a long-term investor. Remember, we talked about the barbell approach, part value, part growth. Growth has been doing better than value. But last year, value did better than growth. So, uh, so we, we maintain uh, this view, and, and I think the rally could run into you know, run out here. It, it seems to, and we talked about that. Uh, and fixed income, I, I think you've got to use the volatility. Maybe the 60-40 rule is coming back, you know, 60% equities, 30% bonds, 10%, you know, uh, uh, money market. So we'll, we'll re, you know, uh, RBC, we're market weight for fixed income, which is that 30% if you're a long-term investor, okay? So I, I think that's that's the key. Now, look, we've had a runaway rally um, with a lot of tech stocks, and it's been mostly just, you know, 20 or 30 stocks, really seven. And the strong stock market and some better off, you know, uh, forecast economic data. So I don't think people are willing to wade into the water yet. It's still a little cold, you know. So what they're doing is they're making it easy. They're, they're just buying the big ones. I who knows? That may be the, the case, but uh, there are some very compelling valuations out there. Uh, and there's some stocks that haven't participated in this rally. So it could, you know, uh, it could get really interesting. The other thing, one other thing we noticed is the monthly hiring pace set to reach a multi-year low. So they're talking about all these jobs out there, but nobody's really hiring. All right. So. That's how that's how it could be a big problem in the long run. Now, I did have quite a few questions, um, you know, call in during the week, uh, ask me about a few things I'm not allowed to talk about anymore. But uh, one of them was China. And look, one of the globalization's big winners, uh, 
was China. China is now confronted with a new global economic paradigm. And it's characterized by heightened geopolitical tensions, fragmenting trade relationships. Uh, the U.S. and its closest al- allies are pursuing onshoring and, and friendshoring of manufacturing to reduce dependency on China. So, you know, how long will that last? I don't know. But investors shouldn't overlook China's unique role in the economic order. Okay. You know, look, I'm not a big fan of saying, hey, go out and buy China. But we examined how China's manufacturing supply chain uh, competencies continue to advance and why we think China remained one of the world's manufacturing powerhouses. And I think the key points are a Western decoupling from China is unrealistic. It, you know, their supply chains are highly complex and interconnected. So China is gaining market share in global manufacturing by moving up the supply chain a little bit. And China has demonstrated ability to overcome the impact of technological restrictions in the past, even though we're putting them on right now. The country's vast, you know, it's got a vast manufacturing scale and its well-established supply chains should lay a foundation for future technological uh, advancements, right? So, or innovation, we should say, I guess. The country began uh, shifting away from some low-end labor-intensive component manufacturing, and now it's moving towards a higher-tech, full-spectrum product manufacturing more than a decade. So China's domestic market is too big to be ignored by a lot of multinational corporations. But we think multinationals need to determine how to pursue those opportunities in China. One of the things is we've been given the technology. I don't think we're going to be doing that anymore. So supply, you know, and by the way, they'll demand it. So that, that'll cut down on things. But the supply chain transformation that we're witnessing right now is it's a natural evolution of international trade commerce. But we do believe China can successfully navigate this period. And I was looking at the charts, and I, I'm not allowed to say anything about the charts, but I think they're getting interesting uh, there. So we'll just leave it at that. Look, I keep talking about this generational cycle, the 16 to 18 year cycle, and we're we're not even halfway through it yet. So um, we've had bear markets within bull markets before. 1987 was in one of the great bull markets of all time. 1990 was the same way. 1998, the ruble. Russian, uh, the Russian ruble crisis. So this has been a bear market within a bull market, I think. That's Tim's opinion. I think it's Rob Schleimer's opinion also. So we'll just, hey, look, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some long-term stuff and some short-term stuff. So stay with us. This is the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Looking for a rugged, reliable truck without break in the bank? Well, look no further than our friends at Ganley Chevy in Aurora. They have inventory and deals that won't last long. And if you're concerned about interest rates, well, Chevy has a great offer for you on 2023 Silverado 1500 trucks. Interest rates at 1.9 for 36 months, 3.9 for 60 months, and 5.9 for 72 months. 
Buying a new car or truck should be a fun experience. In the dealership, well, it makes all the difference. And that's why we chose Ganley Chevy of Aurora for our truck purchase. We just love our Silverado. And everyone over at Ganley Chevy of Aurora, they're great. I love that they're part of the community. It's not just about selling cars. They really do consider you their friends and neighbors. Ganley Chevrolet in Aurora, 310 West Garfield in Aurora or online. GanleyChevyAurora.com. Find new roads. Rags, they're really important, and I don't mind saying so, or even getting called the rag man by my boys. You see, from my earliest days apprenticing with Lee Newberg, I learned about the four things required of a true professional plumber. Answer the phone when the customer calls, show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, and clean up your mess. That's it. And cleaning up your mess is one of the most important parts. It's one reason why Lee and I loved working for the older Eastern European ladies in Cleveland. They always had plenty of well-laundered rags, and they let us use them. It just made the job cleaner and easier. Plus, they were great ladies. You know, we've always been blessed with the best customers in Cleveland. Nowadays, my sons often find me by the washing machine at the office, cleaning and folding rags. That's how I got named the Rag Man, and I take it as a compliment, because clean rags, and plenty of them, are an essential component to the Wallacadoodle experience. Consider it done at Wyattworks.com. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Folks, I was just looking at the blue sky. What a novel concept. <laughs> they said we had uh, rain every day but three days since the last week of July, uh, June, I mean. So that's, that's a long time. So um, let's talk about the technicals a little bit and our, our good friend, Rob Schleimer. Um, look, I, I think what's happening here is the recent rise in interest rates remains probably one of the most important market issues affecting the direction of equities. Uh, the impact of rates is particularly noteworthy now as the U.S. 10-year challenges the upper band of the trading range. Now, I'm talking about the yield now. So at 424 to 433, there's been a place since October 2022, by the way. The weekly charts uh, below, uh, I, I mean, have shown that the, uh, there, the there's a key... Bi- uh, band in in red. So this is uh, this is where our major resistance is, and we're right there, folks. Matter of fact, we kind of hit it in a day, and then closed below that level, which is not a bad sign, by the way. But if we had a breakout, a close above four thirty three, it would likely lead to further upside. Uh, now, look, the stock market's gone up when yields have been higher, uh, but it does prevent a challenge. And you may recall that we said that once we broke a 40-year downtrend in interest rates, we weren't going back. And I think that's the case. But the next technical level would be 5%. Um, now, a move below 4.09, that would say, hey, we reversed to the downside. So um, 
But, the, I, you know, uh, I think it was Wednesday's or Thursday's release of the FMOC meeting uh, left rates challenging that, you know, 4.24, 4.33 area. Um, equities remain bold short term and they're near support. So we would expect some choppy equity performance going forward, uh, in my my opinion. You know, the NASDAQ composite, the uptrend line is still a ways away. Okay, so it may go back to the uptrend line. The S&P 500 is kind of pretty close, and, you know, you'll probably get there. So when you get too far above the, the uptrend that started back in, in October, we tend to gravitate back. You know, it's uh, six standard deviations is what it comes down to. And the weekly momentum is still overbought for both the NASDAQ and the S&P. So I think, you know, we're we're going to have to you know, the short term is is oversold, but I think what you're going to see is some you know back and forth movement going forward. Uh, so if you look at the short term momentum on the S and P, you know you're probably getting oversold bo- uh, bounce that appears likely. But I would expect further consolidation in September. You know, you remember we talked about the September not being so great. Now we also viewed uh, uh, West Texas oil. Uh, to be in a broad bottoming pattern following its correction in, in 2023 into the mid 60s. So after a strong rebound back to resistance, which is at 83 or 84 bucks, a short-term pullback is underway, which we expect to hold in the 74, 70, uh, 77 area. And the the expiration uh, index, oil expiration, uh, is also pulling back. Uh, it's it's had a 62% retracement from the bottom, so that would be a uh, you know Fibonacci number. So that's you know you probably hold hold up there. Now healthcare remains a relative safe haven through the third quarter seasonal weakness. So most of the secular and and cyclical growth stocks are pulling back, at least over the last couple of weeks anyway. And we're featuring uh, the S and P 500 healthcare sector because it shows evidence of improving and the seasonally weak third quarter, we also noticed that the relative performance of healthcare versus the S&P 500 broke the downtrend line, which is another big positive, okay? So I I think, you know, those are things to keep in mind. Now, we're not talking about the the high beta stocks versus the S&P because, like I said, I think they're starting to correct. Growth is definitely correcting versus value, okay? So, those seven big growth names are probably a, a problem. I, I looked at some healthcare and seeing some early signs of improving after getting walloped. And the the staples uh, remain weak, which is interesting. Okay, so that, that's something you know uh, you got to think about. Now, you know, Rob Schleimer uses what we call the quadrant balance data indicator or the weekly quadrant balance, and you know, we got up to eighty. And now it's pulled back to mid-ground. Um, you know, could it go all the way back to the zero? Maybe it might bounce around a little bit. Like I said last week, and I said the week before, we are in a very seasonally weak period for the S&P 500 and, and the NASDAQ. You know, normally August, is, you know, May, August, and September are the only down months. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, you know, we'll probably have a problem. Uh, if you look monthly seasonality since 2000, actually, January, February, May, uh, no, I'm sorry, 
January, February, June, and September are the only four down months. Uh, actually, if you, you go to the uh, February, May, uh, and September, going back to 1928, they're the three down months. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, look, we, we stopped right at the retracement level that we should have. Uh, we expect an oversold bounce to take hold near term. Uh, it's an oversold bottoming uh, pattern on a daily basis. On a weekly basis, we're still overbought. Okay, and the same thing with Nasdaq Composite. We're we're getting to the oversold level. We haven't started. The momentum hasn't turned up on either one of these indexes, but it's down far enough where it could turn up. Okay, so it might you know it might be sloppy for a while. The Russell um, daily momentum remains negative, but it's it's moving towards oversold, but it's not oversold yet. Had a big move up in in the latter part of July, and you know looked great for a while there. So I just think you know you have to be paying attention to uh, what's going on. And, you know, growth versus value, large cap, small cap, mid cap has broken the uptrend line. Uh, so growth is no longer, I mean, growth had a nice run here, especially those seven stocks we're talking about. But if you look at uh, across the whole board, value has been doing better. So we'll see what happens going forward. Now, look, this is something I, I talk about quite a bit. If you look at the American Association of individual investors. They are now uh, 47% bulls, and they're down to 25% bulls, uh, bears. So the bullish-bearish ratio is at plus 29.5. At 30, you start to worry a little bit, okay? So the bullish and bearish sentiments have moved back to levels that suggest investors should be prepared for equity market pullbacks. Okay, now I'm re I read that right off the screen because Mr. Schleimer makes that uh, very apparent when we talk to him uh, once a week. All right, so during sustained bull markets, these readings can remain near current levels for extended periods, but tactically, a pullback in equity markets and sentiment should not be a surprise to anybody. Okay, so keep that in mind. Now, the 10 year yield, like I said, that 433 we broke. Just a hair above it, we've got the 434 on Thursday, and then we close down for the day. Now, that usually uh, is a sign that, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we're near top. But if it breaks through there, we've got to, you know, readjust our <laughs> our thinking, okay? Then the 10 years breaking out. Then, what you know, so what's happening is the yield curve, which had been inverted, Drastically inverted is no longer drastically inverted. It's just inverted, just barely. Okay, so we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, but you know, you've you've got to keep that in mind. And uh, some people ask me about the dollar. You know, not really supposed to speak about the dollar, but I will say this. You know, the dollar is uh, overbought on the momentum side. So I'll just leave it at that. Now. I talked about this several months ago, and then I backed off for a while because they got too aggressive. But we've been talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and a lot of these stocks have been beaten up in the last month. Okay? That's when you're supposed to buy them, folks. All right? So we have a very interesting uh, piece called the Generative AI Update. 
And uh, this was put out a while ago, you know, I, uh, a couple weeks ago. I think it's it's got some things that you ought to think about. Number one, there's some broad themes here. Okay, strong financial performance by many of these companies, cloud dominance, AI investments. You know, if you say you have AI right now, you probably sold off in the last couple of weeks. Good time to buy. The GPU shortages. Nobody's talking about this. This is graphic processors. Uh, not only, we also talked about how hot they run, okay, and the cooling process. Uh, data center expansion. I mean, I just, I heard two major companies talking about increasing the number of servers by four times in the next two years. So data center infrastructure is going to support a growing demand for cloud services, okay? Also, data center uh, or CapEx growth. Uh, CapEx is, uh, is, is on the rise. Companies are increasingly investing in data centers AI infrastructure and cloud computing. They gotta to support growth and innovation. I mean, you can't be the last guy in, okay? So we think there's gonna be a lot of strategic partnerships. You know, com- companies are forming strategic partnerships with industry leaders to enhance their offerings and capabilities, particularly in the cloud and AI space. Thomas Bravo has been buying a lot of these small companies. I wonder why, okay? Now, uh, the top-related AI beneficiaries, I have a list of them, which I'm not going to mention to anybody here. Uh, that you got to call in for those, call in for the report. But there's some really interesting names, and uh, some of them are private still, you know, but, you know, you got to remember. Now, the other thing is we talk about this cooling thing. Liquid cooling techniques are gaining importance. Get that report, too. Hey, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. What a day for a daydream. What a day for a daydreaming boy. And I'm lost in a daydream. Take it from Charlie Kirk. As I read this New York Times article. So I read the New York Times so you don't have to. Salem Media Group reaches more people than they realize. This is my favorite line of the whole thing. Their hosts are big names, and they have huge reach, which makes them one of the most powerful forces in conservative media. Tap into our big names to help grow your business. Call Tim Vaughn at 216-525-1818. 216-525-1818. Thank you for finally noticing. The Secular Crew explains who they are. You know, we're not just reporters of the news. We're not just analysts of the news. Uh, Really, what we do is we live it and work it through the American Center for Law and Justice, which is our the, the legal arm and public policy arm and government affairs arm of this broadcast. And this is really just an ability for us to take an hour uh, each day and kind of talk through the big issues of the day and how we are engaged in them. Secular, weeknights at 6, right before Brandon Tatum at 7 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. Be prepared if you're going to argue with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Let's go to line two, Al in Pennsylvania. Al, sorry, are you still there? How dare you interject facts into an argument? That's just <laughs> it's outrageous. How dare I use facts? Never let facts get in the way of a good Democrat narrative. Am I correct? <laughs> Boy, that's perfect. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The Answer. 
Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay. So uh, I just got an email from somebody asking, you know, Tim, why do you keep harping on this AI and the cloud? Look, I mentioned the cloud back in 2004. 2004 on this show. 2004 on this show. It's been 20 years and it's been one of the best places to make money in that 20 year period. Nothing's changed that I know of. You know, cloud formation, you know, we're talking about going from, uh, we're going to exceed a trillion dollars in cloud spending by 2028. We're now at 599. To 2023. By the way, we had 50 million back then. <laughs> so we've been very right. We also talked about in 2018 about our technology conference and how you had to, you wanted to buy or you wanted to get the, the thing and buy those companies, the top companies in that, that they talked about because they listed them. No one called in for that report. No one. It was probably the most profitable report I ever, I ever dealt with. We, you know, we had two guys, Matt Hedberg and Mark Mahaney, and they did a great job. So cloud adoption, the vast majority of organizations out there use either public or private, with about two-thirds operating on a public and 45% using a private. We think that's going to a bigger number, okay? They got to start to cost manage this cloud. The market leaders, I know who they are. You got to find out. The, the the regions we think are going to be big are Europe and Asia. You know, right now the cloud is about sixty eight percent penetrated in the U.S. It's like fifteen in both those two places. So, uh, and then you're going to add generative AI, AI to it. Uh, the the cloud's going to have to increase the size drastically over the next. 10 years. Also, semiconductors. I think, you know, you're looking at a lot of custom chips designs coming up, high performance chips coming up. Uh, and there's a lot of names in that area. And I think you're going to see a lot of partnering, partnering <laughs> and the manufacturers will, will come in and uh, you're going look, I don't care who, who designs the chip. I know some people who are going to be building it. <laughs> now that's all I got to say. The other thing that's a really interesting area is the cloud and the subsea cable area because they're dominating the usage of that. And I think there's going to be a lot more capital go into that area. So, look, right at the moment, though, uh, by the way, you can get all those reports. You just go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down the Smart Investor Show. And I'm going to say this again. I say it every week. You got a wealth plan out there. You don't have to be a client to have one done. Now, I do recommend, you know, the, the playground is the thing where we can take a look at 
hey, you want to do this? Let's let's see if it'll work. Okay, you want to do this? Let's see if it'll work. Because if the plan just sits on your desk and creates dusk, it does nothing. When it's interactive, that's a different ball game. Okay, you can call me and say, hey Tim, let's get together and take a look at this. So, but you still can get a wealth plan, and you don't have to be a client. All right, so keep that in mind. The other thing is the family inventory workbook. Make it easy for your family members. You know, put all your stuff in one place. <laughs> it's so much easier because uh, things happen, unfortunately. You know, things happen. So we'll leave it at that. So, look, we've had narrow leadership this year. It started to spread out at the end of July, and then the market got whacked because interest rates are going up. That's okay. Interest rates will go up for a time. When yields are up and the price of the particular yield item is down, it's the best time to buy it. The dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list, I think, are perfect scenarios. All right. If you'd like to come in, we'll talk about a wealth plan. We'll talk about which dividend investment, uh, dividend growth products or which prime income stocks are the best to buy right now. Sometimes you buy the whole thing. It, you know, get a little bit of underperformance by some of the ones that are overbought, you know, so I try to buy them at certain times. Uh, but anyway, you, you should pay close attention to those two portfolios. I would also recommend, you know, look, I, I think that the small caps are a place where you really want to be paying close attention to. They got beat up. Remember when they sold the banks? Regional banks are 26, 27% of the Russell 2000. When they sell the banks or they sell the Russell 2000, they sell the small caps too. So some of these things were unduly beat up and they're in pretty good shape. You know, the, there was, it was really no financial problem on their part. Uh, it was just a matter of the banks getting beat up. So, you know, that occurs. So, Look, if you look at the market leadership in 2027, the big seven returned 98.7% of the average return. The S&P 500 was 18.4. X Apple was 16.4. You know, so it's narrow leadership. In order for the market to continue, the leadership's going to expand. And I think, you know, look, the first thing you do is you dip into last leaders. The second thing you do is you buy dividends, and then the third thing you do is you buy small caps or mid-caps. So we'll see what happens going forward. But I think those uh, type of uh, uh, reports are what I'd be looking at. Uh, You know, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, and the small cap ideas. Some of these have been beat up, uh, and some of them have been beat up after blowing out their earnings. And they just, they asked them about the future, and they said, well, we're not sure, you know. It's not that they're saying, hey, things are bad. They're just saying they're not sure, and they beat them up, all right? Whenever the Fed's raising interest rates, you can't be 100% sure. So now I do think that the 60-40 portfolio, you know, which we talked about last year, has held up better than expected as you zoom out and look at 2023 so far. So we'll see what happens, but... uh, you know, we talked about that last year using, you know, short-term CDs uh, in, in September and October. Um, and I think you still can do that, all right? And we have, a, you know, a great uh, – if you'd like our CD list or our bond list, please let us know. In the meantime, 
a wealth plan makes a lot of sense right now. Okay. We're going back to school, folks. Get a wealth plan. Let's get a family inventory workbook going. Ask for the dividend growth in the prime income list. I think they're pretty good ideas right now. Uh, you know, dividends have been 40% of 44% of the return of the S&P 500 since 1950. I don't think they're going away. Uh, <laughs> uh, the dividend growth list is even better, I think. So we'll leave it at that. We do have stuff on the cooling systems and data centers. I think that's a great uh, process. We also have the AI now that it's pulled back and the cloud. We have reports on all that stuff. So if you'd like them, uh, go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. In the meantime, have yourself a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.